2: On the Golden Hurricane Sports
1: Network, from Learfield, this is Eye of the Hurricane Podcast, the official podcast of University of Tulsa Athletics. Hello and welcome to Eye of the Hurricane Podcast. I'm Bruce Howard. This is On the Road with the Cane as we join you from Maryland. Tomorrow, the Golden Hurricane will take on the Naval Academy in Annapolis, And we'll join you starting at 1.30 on the Golden Hurricane Radio Network. I'm Bruce Howard, joined by Rick Corey and Jeremy Poplin here as we get you ready on a Friday night for Tulsa taking on Navy. And uh, as I look at this, Rick, uh, you know, I'm thinking, gosh, we played here in what, 06 and then 16, 18, and 20. So we've been here four times <laughs> this will be number five it never gets old going here
3: it never does and they're always fun games you know the blocked extra point moton hopkins in the group when in Cragthorpe's shear which was a fantastic win and then you know, we've had a couple of that we really thought we should have win and uh, we should have won pardon me including a <clears throat> referee's call we might not want to talk about on a first down but this is a different navy team you know kenny and matalolo might actually have a little bit of a hot seat which is really kind of an odd thing to say about an academy coach
1: yeah absolutely they've always been very very good at what they've done uh, for years and years, which is that triple option. This year, at least so far, it's not worked that well. Now, they may get it together. They always seem to against Tulsa, don't yes, they? Too. They do. And you know, you look at, like, Lavitai and line seem like they've been here a thousand
3: years, and it's not, they haven't been here that long. But it seems like they have been. But they are a different team. when 176 yards rushing a game for Navy, that's pedestrian. Six touchdowns total in the year, that's pedestrian for these guys. They, they just don't do that very often. But, you know, on film, they don't look like this same group
1: yeah, and most stunningly their longest gain on the ground is 18 yards I mean goodness you know they had one rush for 67 against uh, Tulsa last year which helped kind of
2: flip the game around but uh, this is very unNavy like Jeremy the thing about Navy too is I think they've only scored 13 total points in the first half and every single loss that they've had they've never had the lead in the game so typically a couple of things he want to do against Navy is, right, score early and score often because they're not built to try to come back. I don't know if this team's really built to come back from anything. Now, with that said, I'm going to knock on some wood there because of uh, some tendencies that we've seen coming up in the past. But, yeah, it does seem a little bit different for this version of the Naval Academy. And I talked to one of their reporters this week, and he said that it just seems like since the pandemic year – which hit the academies, I think, probably harder than anywhere else. Navy just hasn't quite been able to find their path forward yet. They're good defensively, but offensively, they're really starting to struggle.
1: Yeah, averaging just over 13 points a game. And, And, Rick, I'm going to ask you this, because we've gone through this for years and years and years, and the perception is Navy gets the ball, and even back to the Ken Hatfield Rice teams, Navy gets the ball with that triple option every game they score first drive every game they get ahead of you 7 nothing and then you're fighting and scratching and clawing from behind.
3: Isn't that perception the perception you have? It's always been the perception they're just not doing it this year, as Jeremy said, 13 first-half points total, and they're only scoring 13 a game overall. It's just not been the same. Yes, that's how they've normally done it, and it's because nobody knows how to handle that. You can't get ready for practice with that. I don't care how much you've done it. You can't do that the way they do that, which is one of the reasons I'm glad they're not quite as good at doing it this year, and that's one thing that we talked to Luke about during the week. You know, they, Eric Everybody tries to put in three, four, five minutes a week, at least on just that, even though you're not playing them and hoping that you have them during it before an
1: off week, like or after an off week, like last year, which still didn't work out. Right. And uh, but perception is not necessarily reality. We did the research on first drives for Navy against Tulsa. So there have been nine of them. Navy leads the all time series seven to two guess what just two first drive scores there was a, a bunch of you know four or five punts two fumbles and so i you know the 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 key is though Generally, Tulsa's gotten behind Navy. It hasn't necessarily been that first drive, but Tulsa's always seemed to be behind 7 nothing early in scratch.
3: And somehow it always comes down to a third and one that you contest, you know, and then you get called and then here we go down the road. And there have been a couple that weren't that way and on both sides, but not very many. It's just not the way it's generally worked here. And I'm glad you mentioned the pandemic because when I talked to their play-by-play guy, Pete Metters, he said the same thing. That hurt them worse than anybody else. The other thing is the portal. You don't transfer in the Navy. But you can transfer out. Uh, you know, takes some doing,
1: but you can, and that he said has
3: really made things difficult for them. Well,
1: yeah, the only portal you have in Navy is the one on the ship, and they're looking out, and they don't they don't go out very often, I don't think. And Jeremy, you've been here. Um, well, you were there at sixteen, right? And and that was a, a heck of a game. Uh, and and it's a Navy team that with Will Worth and that bunch that so
2: really really was good offensively. They were great offensively. Uh, kind of one of those outside the box type Navy teams that felt like that they could do a, a variety of different things, and they were able to take advantage of. And that was a that was a rough rough loss for that sixteen team uh, for sure. Uh, I did not get to come here during the pandemic year due to travel restrictions, so it is it is good to be back here. And, and I and I will say that we might be looking at this Navy team and talking about how bad they are offensively. But if you do the math on their schedule, they've got like the fifth toughest schedule uh, right there with Notre Dame with the teams that they play. And I know Delaware's tagged on there, but Delaware's 5-0 and this season. So they've played some really good opponents so far this year. Uh, but just watching them a little bit seems just a little bit of a step off uh, but it sure does not translate to them defensively. They've already got 12 sacks this year and had 16 total last year already at this point in the season, so they can definitely get after you def- defensively.
1: Yeah, and that's part of the point, too. They go to they go to Greenville and they beat East Carolina in two overtimes. Um, Rick, they're really good defensively. I mean, they always are, and they're always disciplined, and they could give Tulsa trouble.
3: And you think with Fagogan, who is you know an all-world linebacker, that you'd be better at, or you wouldn't be any better, and they're not really better, but I think collectively they're as good or better just— Fogo's not there himself. If you watch them on film, it's a lot like watching last week. You know, you got the little Tasmanian devil who drove Tulsa crazy. You got three or four of those guys who do that. Their defensive linemen crawl you, and they get there very effectively. They're disciplined. You'll hear this from any coach in America. Nobody does disciplined football better than Navy, Army, and Air Force. Now, that doesn't mean you don't get out DNA'd, but they're where they're supposed to be all the time. And unless you are
1: markedly better than they are, they make it hard. Yeah, well, those linebackers—they—they uh, they like to run four of them around. John Marshall and Nicholas Straw. Seems like those two guys have been around forever, and—and—and and, and they're experienced. And that's the one thing on the offensive side. You see a bunch of SOs, sophomore, sophomore, sophomore on the offensive line, a sophomore slot back, which you don't find in Navy. Nearly as much, they're generally juniors and seniors almost always on the front line. But on that defense, they've got some veterans.
2: Got some guys that have been there that have been through all of it. They've got a really good defensive coordinator as well that uh, has, has done a tremendous job since he's been there, taking advantage of some of that. Uh, experience that they have there on that side of the ball, and and they're as they're maybe as dynamic as what I remember just from them, just from a pass rush perspective up front, even from the last couple times that we've been here. Yeah, and
1: I do think Tulsa can exploit them a little bit with the pass game. Uh, hopefully, that'll be the area where Tulsa may be able to gain some yards. But Rick. Got to have an offensive line that keeps people off of Davis Brin or Braylon Braxton, whoever's playing. And to what Jeremy said, they
3: twist and stunt a ton. I mean, they never come straight at you. They're coming all over the place, and they may bring one guy inside two gaps and take a defensive end and go all the way around to the other side and still get there. And then mix those linebackers in there too. So we talk about misdirection on offense a lot, and they do that with that bone. We know they do that, but they do it defensively probably more than anybody we've seen. And you know, we talked to Bo this week, Bo Trahan, and he said you know normal teams come in they blitz 20 30% against also they're blitzing 60 and 70 these guys may blitz nearly every stinking play tomorrow. It just may be that way.
1: Well, yeah, and and there are two reasons for that. One, right now a a fairly immobile quarterback for the Golden Hurricane, and two, an inexperienced line. I mean, if you're the defensive coordinator, wouldn't you do that? Absolutely. Those guys up front, you've had to move so many guys around, and then when you
3: get a guy who, one guy gets dinged, so you move one guy one position, somebody comes somewhere else, so you've effectively affected three positions, because one guy's gone and two guys are not playing where where they're normally supposed to play, and that does really cause a problem, and especially and these guys are crossing your face constantly. Look, you know, I played that position a 1,000 years ago, and you know where your guy's supposed to be, but then you see all this action in front of your face. You see the guy next to you maybe step a different place. Now you're trying to do two things at once. It can really mess with your head. And then number seven's on his back, and you can't have that. No,
1: you can't. And, Jeremy, you, you're down on the field. You see it. You witness it. Jer- uh, you know, Davis Brin is one tough cookie. There's no doubt about it. And, uh, uh, you know, I, he's still a game-time decision. A lot of game time decisions on the offensive line as well. But, um, you know, I know those
2: guys. They'll strap it up, and I think most of them will try to go. I think most of them probably will. And Davis, to your point about him being uh, just a tough guy, uh, several times last year where you thought, I don't know if this guy has enough that's left in him towards the end of the season. He would gut it up and and go back out there and continue to try to make plays. I think he's probably – uh, he took a few uh, last week. The one where he fell down, I still think played a, a role. I know he took a little shot on the side of his foot as well towards the end of uh, the game. Came off there. He's probably uh, getting better uh, from a percentage standpoint. We'll we'll see where he's at. I, I would be shocked if he doesn't go uh, since we saw him last week. And yeah, those guys up front. Um, I I'm trying to remember a time that we've all seen injuries, right? We've seen a ton of injuries, but has there been one group that's been hit as hard as what that TU offensive line has here in the beginning of the season? Because I can't think of one in the almost 10 years that I've been with you guys now.
1: Yeah, well, I would agree. And you go back to 16, that that punch never got hurt. I mean, they basically went through the entire year with five guys, and they all nutted up, and they're all really, really solid. And if they got dinged up, they still played, and they were great. Well, think about when you were really good,
3: 5, 12, all those teams that won conference championships. That happened in every one of those years. You had your same offensive line. You had your same defensive line. You didn't see Corey Doris miss games on the defensive line. You didn't see Jake Alexander miss many games on the offensive line. Those guys played all the time, and that was no question a really big deal. We think, though – Davis is pretty good because we saw him in the hallway the other day. He wasn't limping A and B. He he refused to buy us lunch. So I think he's not only not – I think he's good, and I think he's also smarter than we are.
1: Yeah, there you go. Well, speaking of smarter than, than we are, we, we were stunned like everybody else when Deneric Prince got in the game or when we were told before the game, just slightly before the game that Deneric Prince is going to play. Two things that are positive about that one, a different dimension, Rick, uh, with the running game, but two – you forget he's a good blitz pickup guy as well, as is Steven Anderson. So now you got two guys that are really, really good at this. Yeah, absolutely,
3: and Derek Daneric brings you a different uh, kind of a dynamic, too. Steven's a straight-ahead guy, you know. and Jordan Ford was doing very well before he got hurt. Bill's kind of young, Bill Jackson. You want him to have an opportunity to learn this, but Derek gets your foot in the ground, maybe break a couple of tackles. He he made some yards last week that you wouldn't have seen from Steven, and, and even though none of them went 60, and you can't, we keep, we all think he's going to at some point, even though none of them went 60, he does make you think he's going to go
1: 60 at every point, and, yeah, when it comes to blitz pickup, both those guys are great. Yeah, and Jeremy uh, – you were down there, and you saw how hard he was running at the beginning. He, had, he was amped up. I mean, Deneric Prince was juiced up, and I think he might have even been a little tired by the end of the game as he as he
2: works his way into game shape. And what's funny about that is is that when we saw him during fall camp, first time that I saw him, I said, whoa, Deneric looks great, right? Had yeah. dropped a few LBs, uh, looked like that he had got his weight completely under control and looked fantastic, and then – uh, the the other important part about him coming back, too, is that that room, along with the offensive line, takes such a beating, right? And they've already gone through some elements of having some injury issues, so getting him back is just another body, and then maybe you bring back your most dynamic runner that you have. You talked about him being able to pick up the blitz. Uh, he gives you that extra something, uh, but you're right, He he ran incredibly hard to start that game. Uh, they talk about it a lot of times, and I haven't had a chance to ask him yet, but in fighting they call it the adrenaline dump. Guys get in, they expend so much energy in the first round, and then they're completely wiped out and sometimes end up getting knocked out in the second round. I don't know if he was quite on that level, but I had a thought at one point. I'm like, that dude is just is running as hard as I've ever seen on on a simple play that they've run. Um, is he going to have enough to make it to the end of the game? But I mean, he he proved just how dynamic that he can be.
1: Oh, absolutely! Yeah, I go back to my wrestling days. You know, that first period, two minutes, you're just you're going like crazy, and all of a sudden you you lose gas about midway through the match, and uh, and and you're in trouble. But I I think Deneric will be one week more ready to go. Uh, you know, today. And as I turn back to to Tulsa's defense against Navy's um, offense, and and admittedly, Tulsa's. Uh, Achilles heel at least numbers wise has been you know their their run defense right now they're they're allowing 196 that's 116th in the country so that's that's not good they've got to obviously defend the run but i look at rick You know, Tulsa's defense, Sawyer, senior. Wright, a senior. Terry, a senior. Goodlow, a senior. Joseph Anderson, although he hadn't played a whole lot, a senior. Kendaren Ray is a senior. Tyon Davis is a senior. They've seen this offense before. How's that help you? It it
3: definitely helps you because you know, I mean, not only do you know the obvious, that you kind of know what's coming, but today or tomorrow, whenever you're going to play it, I mean, whenever you're listening to this, it's going to be a little slower. Again, it's not the same Navy it's been. It's going to be a little different. They're only 37% on third down. They're still 7 of 10 in the red zone, but they've only scored four touchdowns on those 10 times in the red zone. Everything goes a little slower. So, yes, you've seen it. You saw. You know what they're going to do, but everything goes maybe a half
1: step slower, which, when you're trying to adjust to this again, is a really big deal. Yeah, and I forgot to bring up
2: Bryson Powers. He's Tulsa's leading tackler. Another senior guy has been around. You've seen it, but you can't get cocky. And I asked Uh, earlier this week about have there been elements of guys maybe trying to get outside of what their responsibilities are at the beginning of the season and maybe a few times through the first two weeks but outside of that it hasn't been a problem and this is a game that you cannot have that happen on you've got to have you know very your principles have to be one alignment two your key then the responsibilities that you have in the run game and then the who's responsible for the pass game and everyone has to work in in concert with each other you can't get Arrogant in in playing against an offense like this because if you do that and that's that first little uh, blip right there and causes a chain reaction for everyone else, they just have to uh, remain steadfast with what they're doing and what they're told to do.
1: Yeah, and last year Tulsa had four straight three and outs, I think, against Navy, and then on the fifth, the guy pops sixty-seven yards. I think they got a field goal to tie the game at halftime, and Tulsa loses twenty to seventeen, and that to me opened the floodgates, Rick. It did. Gap security as Jeremy saying is so important. It always has been against
3: this offense even back in the days when you said Kenny Hatfield and Switzer and those guys and Emory Ballard when they were running it. Gap responsibility is important. The difference in today's defense is, you know, back then if you got gap irresponsible, your front seven, you still had four guys back in the zone. Right. I mean most of the time and you could tackle a guy. Now everybody's tied up. And once that once that's the case, when the guy pops, it goes a lot further nowadays. So that's why what Jeremy said is even more important than it used to be.
2: And I, I think too, one of the keys for Tulsa and any time you play an offense like this now is is that um you have to you, you can't be predictable on defense you have to have a variety of things because uh, look a variety of different t- styles of defense can work against this right there's wrinkles in it whether it's you know single high whether you've got a three-man front whether you got a four-man front but within whatever system that you're running right it's almost like you have to empty your your defensive playbook a little bit because navy's so good they've seen everything that if you just run your your base they're going to find that out faster than ever before, and they're going to start to pick you apart. So you've got to mix it up on that side as well to try to catch them off guard.
3: something else you have to do. Your defensive linemen have to get the mindset. They're going to crawl you. And um, um, they're not supposed to do that as much anymore in football, but these Navy offensive linemen will come out at your knees, and no one else does that. Navy does it. A couple of the other wishbone teams do it. And that's a completely different mindset for you. So if your gap responsibility is the A gap, and that's where you're supposed to be, and that dude's crawling you to the right, it can make it harder to get to that A gap, not only physically but mentally. And if you make that mental mistake of hesitating, now the guy coming off your tail is bouncing off your tail. If that's Justin right, now he's outside. He's at the 5, not the 3. What happens then? That's wide open. And that makes
1: it harder, too. And this is really something you don't see anymore in football, and they still do it here. Yeah, and then one good positive thing, or at least one thing I think is a positive. Uh, Kenny Solomon likely to start at the corner. He's a more physical corner, the type you'll need against Navy. But I like, Jeremy, what I saw last week when he tracked a guy down. I mean, he's got some speed. Uh, he's tracked Guys down from behind, punched balls out and that sort of thing. So I think that's a positive, and it looks like he's kind of getting it finally.
2: It's so funny when I think about Solomon because, to me, he is still is kind of the kid that you would walk by and was just standing there on the sidelines, kind of like waiting for his turn. Now And now that you see him out there getting to display how far that he's come, chasing people down, like you mentioned, he has become now a valuable, valuable part of this defense for Tulsa. Uh, and it's good to see – that and and Solomon to me is what we always talk about with this team, which is I marvel at the development style that, that Tulsa has and what they get out of these kids when they come in. I think they develop kids as good as anyone in the country, and Solomon's uh, the prime example of that.
1: Well, and, and it, I don't want to over dramatize, guys. Here as we kind of wrap it up, but uh, you win this game, you're three and three, you're one and one in the league, you got an off week, and all is kinda okay in the world. If you lose this game boy you're chewing on it for two weeks uh you, you know i don't see you're in trouble or anything but but you're not feeling good about it if you go two two and four
3: no if you win this one to go three and three not only do you have the week off and you can heal some things but then you go to temple and let's be honest they're not very good now it doesn't mean you can't lose there but they're not very good so if you get to then you then you're over 500 in the league now you roll a little bit because this is not an easy schedule you have to go to memphis you have to go to houston and even though houston hasn't been great it's Houston. <laughs> haven't won yet in TEDCU Stadium. Haven't fallen out of it either yet, like uh, one of our friends almost did, but haven't won there yet. So, I mean, yeah, I think it's it's vitally important. You lose this one and have to think about it for two weeks, you don't know what happens at Temple, and then, yeah, I can certainly turn.
2: Jeremy, over, are we overstating that? No, because I think at that point you've weathered the storm, honestly. I mean, this this stretch here, and we knew this, we circled this when the season started. You have the Ole Miss game, then you come back home to play Cincinnati, and then a very difficult task in going on the road and playing this team here with this style. And kind of circling the, the, the open week there, if you can just get through that, and I think all of us at that point had a variety of different what the results would be, but still 500 to me is is completely acceptable to come out of that, and you feel much better with a portion of your schedule after the bye week that you feel like we can gain a little bit of momentum here and finish out strong. And you're not trying to dig yourself out of the hole the way that you were the entire time last year. And you were wondering, do they have enough energy to finish this? And they did. They came back incredibly well. But wouldn't it be nice to kind of feel like that – you're the one that's actually digging the hole and not trying to climb up out of it. You're digging the hole for someone else to throw them into, for crying out loud. <laughs> I like that. I like your attitude
1: about that.
3: Halloween metaphor there. Yeah, yeah right. nice that's Halloween. Right.
1: We haven't mentioned this yet, but uh, the history. You know, when when we're in the stadium, um, you know, Leyte Golf, Midway, Corregidor, um, Hampton Roads. I mean, you can go through all of the naval battles. They're all right there on the wall. It is a historic place and it is always a great visit.
3: And if you walk down to the I think it's the south end there you can see some of the monuments because each class leaves a monument there. They've got the big, you know, the big brass goat that's down there, you know, that is neat. Yeah, I feel it every time we walk in here. I'm a huge history buff and especially World War 2. It's almost all I read. And and you read about Leyte and Midway and Solomon's and those campaigns and then you go see those things written on the wall and realize people gave their lives for that. And then you watch them march in, which we didn't get to see in the pandemic here. I and mean, we get to see that again and the flyby happens to come by i don't care who you
1: are if that doesn't stir your blood you're not american absolutely gentlemen thank you we'll see you tomorrow that is it for this edition of crab cakes. Uh, it's time for crab oh cakes. we got crab cakes coming oh yeah yeah we're ready for that here in the baltimore area um that'll wrap it up for this eye of the hurricane podcast we will leave you with the scene setter open that you'll hear tomorrow starting at 1 30 as tulsa gets ready for navy so long everybody We approach the midway point of the college football regular season and today the University of Tulsa football team looks to pick up a road win in the American after last week's physically brutal home loss to Cincinnati. But that road win won't come easy as the Naval Academy hosts TU. It's easy to wake the echoes of the history of the Navy. John Paul Jones, Mobile Bay, Battle of Lake Erie, Battle of Midway, and Leyte Gulf. But some in the Naval Academy Athletic Department mark the 1890 football win over Army as the biggest Navy victory. Though not nearly as vital, Navy's football history is rich with Heisman Trophy winners and bowl victories. No doubt for Coach Philip Montgomery, it's easy to respect the midshipmen and their hard work. These young men are protecting our country and, and making a great sacrifice, and they're dedicated to their job. But for today's game, we're playing Navy football and we're playing Tulsa football. And that means helmets, not howitzers, ball carriers, not aircraft carriers, and all hands on the field, not all hands on deck. This will be another game facing a team that prides itself on physical play. And let's face it, last week, it got quite nasty with Cincinnati. But what Navy means is unlike last week, we'll see physicality and discipline. Uh, This is a team, you know, you're gonna get everything they got for 60 minutes. We're gonna do the same. Navy started slow this year, but they put together their best two performances of the year in their last two games, and they'll be ready to defend their home turf. As always with the mids, you can't play the game astern, meaning behind the ship. Once they get in the lead, it's awfully hard to steam past them. Today, it's got to be about us on the field and getting things done, and this has always been an extremely tough game. Today, the Golden Hurricane looking to get that first league win as they play the Naval Academy here in Annapolis. This is Eye of the Hurricane podcast, the official podcast of University of Tulsa Athletics. The preceding has been a Learfield presentation
0: on the Golden Hurricane Sports Network. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.